Being a mother is an attitude, not biology. An unknown writer once said, if you give me any three words, I'll write you a story about my mother. Story is in our DNA, and of course, so is she. We gathered stories from men and women in all walks of life. Stories about the ones we have, the ones we are, the ones we know. This includes stories about stepmothers, godmothers, grandmothers, birth moms, foster moms, the mom up the street. It includes stories about not being a mom and stories about mothering in other ways. No matter how you slice it, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Hi everybody, I'm Lupe Padilla Mitchell. I'm a life coach of mothers and families and a mother of three adult daughters. I'm Katie Mitchell, actress, writer, storyteller, and mom of a teenage son. Tess Wheeler went to school in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, England, and read English literature at the University of York. After working as a financial editor in Hong Kong and London, she eventually surrendered to the pull of the beautiful Northumberland coast and returned home. Tess writes short stories and nonfiction articles for Medium, and in 2017, she completed the first draft of her children's novel, Codename Grandbag. This story is our first fictional story, but you will see in the interview that there are some truths that are autobiographical. Tess is going to read her story first, and then we'll talk. Mother Courage, The Long Walk Home Other kids seem to have nice mothers, kind mothers, mothers who met them at the school gates with a smile and a favourite scooter to ride home on, mothers who hugged them tight and asked them how their day had been. My mother never met me at the school gate. My mother didn't even get up out of her armchair to say hello when I walked in the door. But my mother wasn't a bad mother. She didn't hug me, but she didn't hit me either. She never baked me a birthday cake, but she cooked my meals and washed my clothes. She never read me bedtime stories, but she gave me extra homework because she wanted me to do well. We were just a little short on hugs and I love yous in our house. One afternoon on my way home from school, two kids from the senior school blocked my path. I must have been nine years old, and I guess they were 13 or 14. Want to fight? One asked me. Want to fight my friend? She stared aggressively at me, and my heart did a somersault. The friend loomed, gigantic and impassive. No, I mumbled. Why would I want to fight your friend? I don't know her. Oh, posh kid, said the girl. Why would I want to? She mimicked my voice. Which school do you go to? I named the school, just an ordinary primary, but in another part of town because we were Catholics. That's a posh school, said the girl. Have you got a swimming pool? No, I laughed, telling the truth. Are you laughing at me? She demanded. No, sorry, I've got to go. Fear made me brave and I darted around them on the pavement. My mum will be waiting for me, I said. This made them laugh and they didn't bother to follow me. See you tomorrow, said the talkative one. My throat constricted. I ran home. My mother was reading when I got home. She looked up. How was your day? Okay, I said. I hesitated. Should I tell her about the girls I'd encountered on the way home? Take your boots off and I'll bring you a sandwich through, she said, her eyes already returning to her book. I always watched children's television in the other room when I got in from school. The moment had passed. I couldn't say anything. I picked up my bag and went away. The next day, I walked home faster in an attempt to avoid the girls. But as I rounded the last corner, there they were. I made to walk past them, head down, but the talkative one stepped in front of me. 
Not saying hello, she demanded. That's rude. Sorry, hello, I said, trying not to stutter over my words. She's frightened of us, crowed the big one. It was the first time she'd spoken and I was almost surprised that she could. They laughed. Please let me past, I said. Please let me past, the smaller one mimicked. My mummy will be waiting for me. They laughed again. I stood there awkwardly, the seconds stretching out. They looked at me. I stepped around them and took three paces, holding my breath and thinking for a moment that I might get away with it. But there was a sudden vicious tug on my scarf that choked me back. Hey, I protested. Before I knew it, I was on the pavement and the talkative one had a knee on my chest. She stuck her stupid face an inch from mine and I could feel her hot breath on me. We're going to kick your head in, she hissed, her spit showering me. I stifled a sob. The bigger one aimed a kick at my school bag, sending it spinning off along the street. A woman rounded the corner and came towards us and the girl kneeling on me scrambled to her feet. The two girls ran off, shrieking with laughter, kicking my school bag along until it landed in a puddle in the gutter. The smaller, mouthy one turned back and flashed me her middle finger, at once dismissive and aggressive. Are you all right? the woman asked, helping me to my feet. Those hooligans. I've got a good mind to ring the headmaster. I know which school they go to. Please don't, I said, images of the possible repercussions flashing through my mind. I'm fine. Well, you go straight home and tell your mother what happened, she continued. She'll sort them out. Tears stung my eyes and I stuttered my thanks, backing away to retrieve my battered school bag. I fished it out of the gutter where it lay with the litter and discarded cigarette ends. It was scuffed and muddied, missing one of its buckles now. The easy contempt they treated me and my belongings with shocked me. What would my mother say? When I arrived home, mother was sitting on the sofa, warm and cosy, reading her book, her feet tucked up under her. How was your day? She looked up. With a single glance, she took in my dishevelled clothes, red tear-stained cheeks and broken school bag. What on earth have you been doing? She frowned. It was some girls. They knocked me over, I sobbed, desperate for a hug and some kind words. She was on her feet now, taking the muddy, dripping bag from my shoulder, examining it. Why did they do that? She asked. I don't know. No reason, I said. You must have done something, she said crossly. People don't just knock me down in the street for no reason. She glared at me, waiting for an explanation, and I was engulfed by the hopelessness and impossibility of ever being able to explain the reality of such daily encounters. I longed to blurt out, because you send me to a different school, because I have to wear a silly long scarf and old lady boots, because I'm smaller than them and I'm on my own. But I couldn't say any of these things to my mother, who stood there looking fierce and holding out my bag accusingly. It came upon me in a flash of unaccustomed clarity that I was just an irritation to her, an unwelcome distraction from her book, a little animal to be fed and watered. A strangled sob rose in my throat. Oh, go get cleaned up, get out of my sight, she snapped, her patience already exhausted, and stop being such a baby. The next morning, before school, I knocked on my mother's bedroom door with her usual cup of tea. As I set it down next to her, I asked... Will you come and meet me off the bus tonight, Mum, in case I see those girls again? She half sat up in bed, still more asleep than awake, and rolled her eyes. Don't be silly. They've got better things to do than lie in wait for you. But it's on their way home, I said. They walk the same way every afternoon. I saw a shadow flit across my mother's face. She hesitated, then swallowed. 
Well, you'll just have to stand up to them, she said, because I've got better things to do than walk you home from the bus stop every afternoon. You're nine years old. Start acting like it. She picked up her tea. Conversation over. I looked at her for a moment and then walked out of the bedroom. My heart sank into my boots. It looked like I was on my own. But on my way to the bus stop, I realised that the expression I'd seen was fear. My mother was frightened of these girls too. She didn't know how to handle this situation any more than I did. And so she was going to leave me to it. I suddenly felt strong, stronger than my mother anyway. I was nine and I knew with unwavering conviction that by the time I was my mother's age, with children of my own, I'd be capable of dealing with situations like this for them. I still had the whole school day to come up with a way of outwitting my tormentors. I'd figure something out. So good. It was perfect. Thank you. Where are you exactly? Um, I'm in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, which is up in the northeast of England, uh, just, just south of the Scottish border. Wow. I've actually never been to that part of the world. And we're all planning a big family trip there next June. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. My middle daughter will be by then living in Amsterdam. So we'll take off to Amsterdam after that. Lovely. That's great. My son's just been out in China for the last year and he stopped over in Amsterdam on the way back and uh, had a long weekend there and said it was fantastic. Well, she's been living in China for the past three years. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. <laughs> what a coincidence, eh? How old is your son? He's 22. And yeah, Jeremy's uh, 27. 27, that's great. I've got four children, actually. So, uh, yeah, they range from 24 to 14. <laughs> so you're, you're in the thick of it. Well, I think the worst is over now, fingers crossed. <laughs> Tell me about writing. So uh, you're working on your second novel. I am, yes. Um, I wrote a, a children's novel last year and it's just that first draft stage and then I started last November with a, a, a novel for adults and I actually finished the first draft of that um, in April of this year um, and then real life has taken over really and I've had a bit of a, a break from writing I've had other things I've had to do but I'm very much looking forward to getting back into the manuscript and reading it with fresh eyes now. That's so exciting. You're such a beautiful writer. I was so thrilled to find you. Well, that's really lovely. It's it's lovely to get some feedback. And I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for you saying that. That's really nice to hear. Thank you. We loved your piece. I wanted to ask you a question about your own mom. As you grew up, did your relationship get closer or did it just continue to sort of be its own individual thing? Um, I think once I had children, I had more of an understanding of my own mother. Um, I wouldn't say we were particularly close when I was a child. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think I, I got closer with my own mother after I had children. But we, we don't have a particularly close relationship, but we, we get on okay these days. It, it is one of those things that, you know, not until you are a mom, can you kind of understand those who raised you a little better? You have a better perspective. I think that's absolutely true. Yes. And I, I think having children of your own definitely gives you a different perspective on motherhood. Did you find that she was a better grandmother than a mother? Yes, I think she was actually. And although we didn't live very close to her when my children were were little, uh, we used to come up and have holidays and things with my family. And um, yeah, she was a good good grandmother. Yeah, very good. And where did she live? 
Well, at the time we were living down in Essex in southeast England, so nearer to London. And um, my parents were up here in the northeast of England, and we've actually relocated back up here. Uh, we're much nearer to them now. I see. So they're both alive. They are. Yes, my parents are just in their um, early to mid seventies. Yes. What do you think you learned from the figure it out sort of way your mom parented? Yeah, um, I think it's. <laughs> I think it's a difficult question. I think what I took away from the way my mother parented with me was um, to take every day as it comes. Really, I don't think as a mother, my own parenting style is particularly like my mother's. I'm not a person for hard and fast rules, particularly when it came to my kids. You know, you want to bring your kids up to have some discipline and some manners and things like that. But the most important thing for me was for my children always to know that they were loved uh, unconditionally and that I would always take each day as it comes. And if you have a bad day, you go to bed, you sleep on it and you start again the next morning and put it all behind you. Mm. I think probably then the takeaway was because I think what you wanted most, certainly by this story, was that love to know that you were loved. I, th- I think that's probably true. And obviously the story is not necessarily autobiographical. I mean, there are elements of it that have come from my life as a child. Um, but I wouldn't say it was an accurate portrayal, particularly of my mother. But I certainly feel that my mother and I didn't have, um, didn't have the kind of relationship where I always felt I was comfortable in talking to her about things. So there were certainly things as a child that I would hold back from her and choose not to share. There was a a line in that piece about you saw that she was afraid. Would that be accurate or is that your, you know, your writer? I, I think it's quite accurate in a way because I think that my mother... And, and speaking sort of autobiographically now, I don't think my mother was particularly a confident person. So she maybe didn't always know how to handle certain situations. And she would perhaps be worried about what other people thought and how she should act rather than perhaps going with her gut instinct all the time. So I think that maybe affected her parenting style a little. So at what age do you think that kind of started becoming clear to you? Um, I would say, oh, probably by the time I got to senior school when I was 11 or 12, because there is something autobiographical in the story in the sense that if I had problems at school, if I possibly was being bullied or um, having a hard time, my mother would sometimes say to me, well, why are they doing that to you? It was as if I had somehow encouraged this behavior towards me. Um, that I was somehow responsible for other people's behavior towards me rather than being, I don't like to use the word victim, but I, I felt that sometimes I couldn't bring things up with my mother because she might even think there was something wrong with me if I was encouraging that kind of behavior towards me. Totally, totally get it. Yeah. Mm. And so I think that that was, that was always a little bit of a barrier between us, you know, that I didn't just feel I could go home and talk to my mother about anything because I felt that in a way she might be judging me or the kind of person I was because of the things that happened to me. Mm-hmm. I understand that. And I also think that that generation, I mean, we've just evolved so much as, as a people and we understand so much more about certain things, but that generation, yeah. if they were insecure, they didn't have a lot of modeling 
I guess is the way I want to say it. I think that's absolutely right. And I think where we are so lucky these days, and I know the internet is a very, you know, double-sided coin, obviously, but we have access to information at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can read up about different psychological problems. We can read up about behavioral issues. And I think that my parents' generation didn't have that, just didn't have those tools at their disposal. So there wasn't anything that they could do to read more widely, really, in a more sort of um, in a cutting edge way, you know, whereas we have access to all of that stuff as it becomes available. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for saying yes. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of it. It's very exciting. All right. We'll talk soon. Lovely. Bye for now. That's our show. Take care. Bye-bye. And to find out more about our writers, go to our website, Instagram, or Twitter. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. And that's the number one, not the word one. Want to do something to help us? Go wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars would be nice. You can say something complimentary. Because you know what? It really does help other people find our show. And also share us with a friend because word of mouth is the best compliment.